chains. And I want to begin over in the book of Judges, chapter 16. And so if you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up to Judges, chapter 16. And we'll begin, first of all, by looking at a, a story of an individual who started so well. And we know that in the end, um, he's a lesson for us, a warning to us. In, in Judges chapter 16, we read here in verse 1, it says, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight, and then he arose at midnight and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city. And the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it was happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. The story of Samson, I think, is familiar to many of us. Uh, Samson's uh, weakness, I guess you could say, or, or sin, rebelliousness, was women. Um, he struggled with this from day one. Even as a sanctified uh, individual set apart by God, called by God to deliver the children of Israel, he always struggled with, with women. Um, in the very beginning, he wanted to go and, and get together with an individual, with a woman that was not a, a, a believer. Um, his parents complied. His parents uh, kind of gave him that. And what ended up happening was uh, as the time went on and he continued to feed the lust and he continued to give in to the temptation, rather than the calling upon his life, the chains grew thicker and thicker and stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper. And we see that here. And a couple of things we see, even just picking up in the middle of the story right here, is that, um, you know, we see in verse 1, he, he, he went to Gaza, he saw a harlot there, he, he went into her. Um, you know, he was in places that he didn't belong, and again, it was a struggle that he had, and, uh, and he fed it. But when you read the whole story and you realize the Philistines were going to come against him, and then he goes and he does some amazing things. I mean, he picks up the gates of the city. I mean, literally some say thousands of pounds. I mean, this guy had a calling on his life. And I always try to communicate that to individuals. It doesn't matter who you are. There's something amazing that God wants you to do in life. We all have that. We're all in one sense like a Samson. God wants to use your life. God made you with a great purpose in life. Um, but the chains, the compromises, the little foxes, they grow bigger. And before you know it, uh, all of us here who have that potential to change the world can find ourselves in the same situation that Samson was in. I think God here, in giving to us the story of Samson, he shows very clearly that this man was, was empowered by the Holy Spirit, that he had a calling even before he was born, just like all of us do. But when you allow uh, things to come in that don't belong, and for all of us here, you know, I would venture to say that there's something, there's some weakness in all of our lives. 
Or you may not struggle with sex. Maybe you do. A lot of guys do. They struggle with pornography. They struggle with women. They say that a woman can reduce a man to a crust of bread. It says that all who were slain by her were strong men. It's a very, very common temptation for men. But maybe it's not sex. Maybe it's drugs. There's some crazy drugs out there today. My dad grew up. He was addicted to heroin for 40 years. God set him free. Now we have drugs that are even worse than that. I was talking to an individual yesterday who's been, just, he's been drinking all his life. So much potential. It's ruined him. It, it could be a list of things. Um, and I don't want to get weird or anything, but it's anything that overpowers you. It's anything that overpowers you. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend that money, but you do it anyways. I don't want to check my email a thousand times, but you do it anyways. I mean, it's weird stuff. I mean, you're going to see, think I'm weird. Even like I see people text messaging all day long. It's a social network. It's a net of distraction to the calling on their life. For all of us here, it's something. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's a root of bitterness. It's a root of bitterness against your spouse, against some other Christian. It's just something that can get in the way. And as you feed it, it becomes chains. To the non-Christian, it keeps you from Christ. To the Christian, it keeps you from the calling in your life. Samson here is a great illustration of that. So much potential. But he just kept playing with it. He kept playing with it. And for a lot of us here, I think the way that it works is that, you know what? We, we figure, well, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right because I've gotten away with it, you know, 36 times now. And now it's 37. And, and it's been, you know, 37 years, whatever it is. But then one day you cross the line. And that's what happened with Samson. And it got even worse we saw the plan. It was very simple. And so we read in verse 6, it says, So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. I mean, to me, isn't that a weird verse? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, she's just telling him, This is what I want to do. You know, I, I want to find out how I can bind you to afflict you. And, you know, um, you read that and... Um, what ends up happening is we're going to see later Samson is bound. He is blind. He ends up grinding at the mill. But it didn't happen then. It happened before that actually was illustrated in, the, in his own life. He already was blind. huh? He was already getting blind. He was already getting deaf. He was already reaching that point. And the enemy, you know, it has an agenda. And God makes it clear to us. Right now, I'm telling you, you know, I'm not Delilah, but Delilah is telling you, she is telling you what she wants to do in your life. That unless we, you know, come clean and we deal with those things, we meddle with the metal, that um, we will be bound. And so what ends up happening, Samson said to her, okay, and he starts messing around. If you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And so the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. And so the secret of his strength was not known. And then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. 
Now please tell me with what you may be bound. You know, and you read this story, you guys. I don't know about you, man, but when I read this story, I'm like, it's weird. I mean, it's all laid out there. What, you know, the enemy's trying to do to Samson. And, and, and he just, you know what? He doesn't repent. Why? Why doesn't he repent? If you think about it, why doesn't he really repent? Well, he's, 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 he's got this, you know, thing in his heart. I think the main reason is he's because he's he thinks he's going to get away with it again. And, and so he doesn't change. And maybe you're here today and whatever it is, you think you're just going to get away with it again. And again. And we don't realize that sin has consequences, even forgiven sin. And that's why today is the day of salvation. That's why today is the day of repentance. That's why today is the day of holiness. That's why today is the day that you make the decision, I can't play games anymore with God. Well, I got away with it again. Well, you know what? You can't play that game. And that's a lesson. We are accountable. We have the story of Samson. And so what ends up happening? Well, the whole thing just carries on. In verse 11, so he said to her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. And so she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. And, you know, this went on, we, we see here three times. And um, one of the things, though, that, I, that I've discovered about the enemy is that he's, he's persistent, huh? He doesn't give up. And because he doesn't give up, we today have to make a decision that we would never give up. Because what ended up happening was he just got wore down. He, he was just worn out. That guy that I was talking to last night that wanted to, wanted to commit suicide, that's what had happened in his life. He invested everything in his relationship to his spouse. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that, you know, your a relationship with your spouse must be healthy and holy and loving. And, man, I encourage you married men and, and women right here to have a wonderful, uh, loving um just obedient relationship to your spouse, uh, with your children, uh, your friends, your church family. I mean, I praise God for the beautiful relationships that I have in life. It's so wonderful. But when you begin to put any of them before God, any of them before God, your passion has to be for God, then you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up, and you can't do that. It could be children. It could be anyone. And um, that's what Samson did. He put his relationship with his wife now, Delilah, before the Lord. And eventually it came to the point where he was worn down. 
And so we see here in verse 15, she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pastored him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart. And he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, and you know, you can kind of tell, you know, she could just kind of tell, this is it, man. You know, this guy right here, it's over. Uh, you know what she says? She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. There was, there was an obvious now uh, a surrender, man. But surrender to the enemy. That's what ended up happening. And so the lords of the Philistines came up to her, brought the money in their hand. And then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then notice she began to torment him. I mean, now, man, he was so vulnerable. She began to torment him and his strength left him. You see, Samson's strength wasn't in his muscles. You know, I think it would be cool if some, one of these days, man, we get an illustration of Samson. He, he could have been a twig, man. He doesn't have to be this big old buff guy. You know, when you make Samson this big old buff guy, you know what you do? You're, you're actually, I think, illustrating something that's probably not true because his strength was not in his physique. It was not in his muscles. It was not in the fact that, you know, he went to the gym and worked out and ate all the right foods, man. It wasn't. Uh, you know, we got to make. I think we should draw a skinny Samson. That's what I, I think, man. <laughs> because his strength was not in his muscles, right? His strength was totally in the Lord. See, that's why I don't work out. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, his strength was totally in the Lord. And then one day when he crossed the line, his strength left him. You know, I'll never forget the day that I got saved. It was August 20th, 1989. And uh, prior to that, I was addicted to every drug you can think of. I was addicted to every addiction you can think of. But on that day, on that day, I never did it again after that day. God set me free. God gave me his strength. You know, I can't stand up here and tell you, hey, man, you know, I, I disciplined myself. And I, you know, did it. And I chose, you know, to, you know, make myself strong. I mean, I chose God. But that, that's, all you have to, that's all you have to do. Because when you come to the Lord, He gives you the strength. He sets you free. You can't do it without the Lord. And, and that one of the things, and God doesn't always save people like that. You know, sometimes people get saved and, you know, their addictions kind of, you know, they, you know, it takes a while to, to overcome different things. But sometimes it is overnight. And for me, it's always a, a message to me to never forget that, you know what, it wasn't you, Manny, and it never will be you. But that's a message, although maybe that wasn't how your salvation experience was, that's a message that's true. It doesn't matter if it happened overnight, over a period of time. It's the Lord. And when you trust in the Lord, and when you put your, you know, your, your hope in Him, He will give you the power to overcome sin. You see, for Samson, 
the day came where he, he, didn't, he didn't have a right relationship with God, put things before God. He kept resisting, kept insisting, kept persisting against the calling of God on his life. And God said, okay, Samson, you, maybe you had come to that point in your life that, you know, for some strange reason, you really thought it was you. You really thought it was your goodness. You really thought there was something about you. Maybe even just the fact that you were chosen, that you'll always be that strong. And God said, I'm going to show you personally that it wasn't you. And so, you know, somehow, some way we look at this whole fishing of the enemy thing and, and it's just a really weird thing. But the strength, it says there in verse 19, left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And then the Philistines took him. And notice what they did there in verse 21. They, they put out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters. And he became a grinder in the prison. They took out his eyes. They bound him. And then they made him walk in circles. He was a grinder. He was all, that's what he did all the time. That's all Samson did. And that's what sin does. It binds us, it blinds us, and then it grinds us. See? And that was Samson's. Who did this? Who did this? Was it, was it the Philistines? Who, who did this? Was it God? Who did this? It was Samson, huh? In Ecclesiastes seven twenty six, it says, And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. You know? You single guys here, man, you be careful. <laughs> Delilah's. And you single gals here, you be careful of that guy who wants to do the same thing to you. You know, and for us here in America today, it could be so many different things. I, I do know this, that the chains are real. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be anger. It could be selfishness. A lot of guys are just selfish or laziness, believe it or not. You might be here in the chains of the American dream. That's your, that's your chain is the American dream, the White House and the picket fence and the materialistic ambitions. That's changed for some people. That turns into a nightmare. I mean, there's so many different chains. It could be food chains, if you know what I mean, man. <laughs> some, believe it or not, some people live to eat rather than eat to live. You've got to be really careful with that, man. It could be the chains of fun and entertainment. I know some people, they just want to travel the world. And, and it's all about having a good time. It's always all about having a good time. I mean, there's so many different chains. It could be chains of relationships, chains of religion. All I know is this, that no matter what the chain is, and it could be so subtle, it could be so small when you look at it, but they're so thick when you see it from the spiritual perspective, it does the same thing to us that it did to Samson. We know that King Zedekiah in Second Kings chapter 24, he did the same thing. And what ends up happening, you guys? I, I don't know if you've ever been in chains. I mean, physically, literally been in chains. Some of you never have, but some of you have. 
And, and you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just weird. I mean, fetters. Usually fetters are on your feet. Think about that. You've got some chains on your feet. Bronze fetters around your ankles. It's hard to walk. Or you get chains around your hands. You get handcuffed behind your back. You get thrown into prison. That's what sin does to us. Literally. And it's just an illustration, you know, of what happens, you guys. And, and what ends up happening because of the fall. You know, when Adam fell, um, sin entered the world. And sin then had power over us. We were under the penalty of sin, which is hell, and the power of sin. And so what ends up happening? Well, we live the life that we don't want to live. As a matter of fact, if you would, turn over to the book of Romans chapter 7. And this is, this is really the way it looks. It says in verse 15, For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do that I do not practice. But what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I will, I do what I will not to do. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And some of you here may be able to relate to this, you know, totally. I think all of us here as Christians, myself included, we, we relate to this at least to some degree that the, the will, the good that we want to do, a lot of times we just don't do. We hate it. And the things that we don't want to do, a lot of times we end up doing them, sometimes even frequently. Has that happened to you? I think it happens to us, huh? And so, you know, Paul says, I, I see then a war going on inside of me. There's this sin that's within and it wants to do its own thing. But then there's this inward man that just longs to be set free, that just longs to walk uprightly and with integrity and consistency and, and love for the Lord and love for people. And he says there's this war going on. And so he's there and he's with that struggle. And Paul, the apostle, says, what do I do? Oh, wretched man, verse 24, that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He asks the question. And we are, you guys, and it's important probably to acknowledge, just like Paul the Apostle acknowledged, that we're wretched. Apart from the Lord, we're wretched. Oh, wretched man, not that I was. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And in verse 25, we have the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, 
the law of sin. And then in chapter 8, he goes on and he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Son. He talks about the Father. He talks about the Spirit just coming inside you guys and taking over in our life. And that's what God wants. Uh, And it's an amazing thing when you allow the Lord to take over. We see, first of all, the chains, and now we see the breaker of chains. The only one who can set you free. The only one that can give you power to live the life that you were made to live day in and day out with consistency to the glory of God who will show you what you're supposed to do and then give you the power to go and do it is the Lord. You see, we see, first of all, the chains, and then we see, secondly, the breaker of chains. Psalm 107, verse 14, it says, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. And I love that verse right there because it doesn't just say, you know, he took some, you know, I don't know, those choppers, those, you know, clippers or whatever. It says that he broke their chains in pieces. Whatever it is that's, you know, holding you back or slowing you down. He said he broke their chains in pieces. I love that. That was against Egypt. That was against the most powerful kingdom in the world. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter how long you've been engaged in that or how deeply embedded it is in your heart or by nature. A lot of times we're wired differently. God said he broke their chains in pieces. Speaking of Egypt, you see, in the moment of salvation, we are free from sin. Again, remember, not free to sin, but free, free not to sin. Prior to salvation, we didn't really have a choice, but now we do. You see, Jesus came to set us free. When he spoke in Luke chapter 4, later you can read verses 14 through 21, he said, that's the whole reason that I came. I I came to release the prisoners, to set the captives free. You see, that's why Christ came. I love Psalm 102, verse 19. It says, For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner and to release those appointed to death. I mean, it's so cool, wherever you're at right now, to know that God sees you, that God looks down from the sanctuary, and what he wants to do is he wants to release you. He wants to set you free. Psalm 79, 11, Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die. You see, we have the chains in life, and they come in different forms. And it's so easy to get caught up in them. You know, the enemy is slick. But we have the breaker of chains. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ sees you. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ wants to give you the power to overcome whatever it is that might be holding you down or even slowing you down. I love Psalm 116, verse 16. It says, O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds that's what the lord has done he set us free now what are we doing with that freedom you know we really need to ask the lord to come in and to do a work you know yesterday one of the stories that touched me was about 
a lady who was there, um, and I believe it was in the closed area. Uh, she saw one of the scriptures up there, and it was John 3.16. And so, you know, we know the scripture, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so she saw the scripture, and so she asked one of the ladies if they had a pen that she could borrow because she said she wanted to write it down. And so, um, you know, Marianne, what she did is she said, oh, oh no, you, you know what, here. And she took the, the sign down that had the scripture on it, and she gave it to her. And, and when she gave her that scripture, this woman just began to weep. She began to cry. And, and she said that, again, her husband had been recently incarcerated, and she wanted to send him that scripture. She wanted him even though he was in prison, to be set free spiritually. Now that right there has a number of, uh, of messages within it. To me, I'm just amazed at how someone, you know, wouldn't know that scripture or wouldn't have a Bible in their house or wouldn't have access to it or wouldn't know how to get it. They think, well, here's the only way I can get it if I write it down right here. To me, that right there is a message. But then, you know, to see the way she would appreciate that, and the power of that message to want to give it to her husband. And it's, it just blows me away when I think of that. You see, the Lord comes and he sees. And for all of us here, I think it applies to all of us here. Not just the, the bad one over there. All of us here. There are things that we need to be set free from. Because I think God wants us to go full bore as a church, as an individual, as a congregation. He has loosed our bonds. Question, why? Why has he loosed our bonds? Let's turn over to Acts chapter 12, and we'll close with a couple of scriptures here. We read in verse 1 of Acts 12, it says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Now, keep in mind where Peter's at. He's being harassed. He's uh, about to be executed. He's delivered to death, like we were reading earlier out of the Psalms. And, you know, um, I think the Lord actually is the one that put it on, the, on their heart to, to give him four soldiers, man, to guard over him. Because look what happens. It says in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. He was there in prison, man, but the church was praying. The church was praying. And, you know, just as a quick side note, you know, maybe this is your first time here or, or, or you know, maybe you've been here a, a number of times. But every single service, we pray over the services. We pray that the Lord would bring the people, that the Lord would soften the hearts. You know, one of the things that was cool was a, a guy came to a prayer meeting yesterday morning, Saturday. He doesn't attend this church. But um, he said that he saw the, the, the little blurb in the Tribune and he said, I have been praying for this. I have been praying 
for an event like this in Almani. He's a teacher in one of the junior highs. And God answered his prayer. And some of you here today, and maybe it's your first time, maybe it's your 20th time, maybe it's your 1,000th time, it doesn't matter. We're praying for you. The church is constantly praying. And when we pray, God moves. God sets us free. And that's what we see happen in the life of Peter. It says right here in verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. It says in verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done was by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a, pri- a vision. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Why did the Lord set him free? Because there was work to do, right? James was done. We read that earlier. God said, okay, mijo, you're coming home now. I want you home now, right? His, he finished his race. But Peter was set free to work, to serve the Lord. And he did until the very day he died when he was crucified upside down. And that's why it's so important that you do not let sin reign over you. That's why it's so important that you don't get distracted with anything. The reason we still breathe is to serve the Lord. And that's what Peter did earlier. Something similar happened to them. It was Peter and John. And the angel said to them, go into the temple and speak the words of this life. Whatever you do, be so careful that you don't get sidetracked. It's okay to have some fun, but make sure even your recreation is sanctified. It's all about the Lord. You see, there are these chains that we have to be careful of. They come in little increments, little compromises. Before you know it, they got you with an anchor. Be so careful of those chains. But then remember the breaker of chains, Jesus Christ. He's come to set us free and to give us power over that. Without him, there's no hope. There's no way we're going to be able to do this on our own. But with him, there's no way we can lose. But then we remember, okay, the reason the Lord set me free is so that I can serve him. One day when, you know, we're done, one day when we're done, you guys, God's going to take us home. But if we're still here, we've got to stay focused. One last thing I want to close with, and that is hell. If you would, turn to John chapter 8. In verse 31, it says, And Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? 
And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You see the chains, you guys. Be careful of the chains. But then you see the breaker of chains. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in looking at this, the why, God says, I want you to be free because I want you to serve me. But then now we come to the how. You're, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, okay, cool. You know, how, how can I be free? How can I be free to become a Christian? How can I be free as a Christian, truly free to walk and run and fly and be everything God wants me to be? And the answer is not real complicated. I'll give you two things. Number one the truth. The truth shall set you free. Lately, that's really been coming to my heart more and more. You know, I, I love the word, the word Bible and the scriptures and, and all those things are really cool. The Bible, the scriptures, you know, the word of God is a great way of expressing that same thing. But at the same time, you know, with the word of God, we've got to understand that what it is, is it's truth. It's truth. And that everything that holds us back and everything that holds us down is a lie. Everything in life, everything this country tells you, everything society tells you, everything your flesh tells you, it's just an old-fashioned tactic of the devil. It hasn't changed for 6,000 years. It's just a lie. And those lies, they take root in our heart. But the truth is what sets us free. The truth. You see, the truth is that we're all sinners and that sin separates us from God. The truth is Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for our sins. The truth is that if you believe in him, not just in your brain, but in your heart, if you really trust in him and surrender to him by faith, then you will have life. And the truth is when you die in Christ, you go to heaven. The truth is that the Holy Spirit is available to give us the power to live the life and to not turn to the right or to the left. And you just go on and you live and you find out what it's all about and you find out how and, and just everything comes together when you learn the truth of God's word. And that's what he says right there, that when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. You know, the things that depress us and discourage us a lot of times are because we're buying into some lie that says, hey, the main reason for living is happiness. It's not all about happiness, you guys. It's about holiness. And what you'll find is the joy of the Lord is your strength, that when you do what's right, then God gives you that strength because you see the fruit that it bears. You see, Jesus sets us free. And in the truth, we have that freedom. I encourage you. I was talking to so many people yesterday. And, you know, that outreach was not about getting them to this church, just getting them into the kingdom, really. That's the main thing. And I was just telling people over and over again, find a church where they love you and where they teach you the Bible. That's it. They love you and they teach you the Bible. And as they have that truth, then God sets them free. You know, one last thing, if you would, let's go over to Acts 16. It's still part of my, my last point here. So, you know, don't get me on a technicality <laughs> here or anything. But look what it says 
In verse 25, it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. You're like, well, how, how am I free? The truth. The truth sets you free. And you want to know something else, I believe? True Worship sets you free as well. Now, you don't just worship the Lord under, you know, the best circumstances. That's a superficial Christian. But that you worship God from the deepest recesses of your heart, no matter what the circumstance or situation, calamity, trial, hard time is. If you can find yourself with that type of love for God and maturity, then those chains will break, an earthquake will occur, and God will blow your mind on the things that he will do with your life. It's so cool to see what the Lord is doing. I encourage you today to make a decision to not be a prisoner of sin, but to be, in one sense, a prisoner of God who is the awesome Lord and who wants to take us home. One last thing, I'll close with this. Well, two last things. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> one last thing. I was talking to a... Uh, a lady yesterday, she doesn't attend this fellowship, but every once in a while she comes to like some of the special events. And she had attended the Easter service we had a while back at the Almani Community Center. And she told me the story about a man who was there that day. Um, he was 75 years old, okay? And she said that during the altar call, she kind of saw him moving around and squirming and looking around and, and looking forward. And so she just kind of turned to him real gently and she said, did you want to accept the Lord? Did you want to go forward and give your life to Christ? And the man said, yes, I do. And so uh, what ended up happening is she helped him up there to the front. And she could see the Lord was working in him. And while they were up there, everybody, I guess, was lifting their hands and praising God. And so the man turned to her and he said, why are they doing this? Why are they lifting their hands? And the, and the girl said, because they're worshiping God. And, and she said it was at that point that he began to, to lift up his hands and to join them and to worship God. And, uh, and he, he turned to her and he said, I don't know why I didn't do this earlier. But he gave his life to Christ right there, 75 years old. And he died a month later. And he went to heaven. I, and I told this sister, I said, thank you for sharing that story with me. Because really... That's what this is all about, you guys, right? One day we're going to die. One day they're going to die. I was telling this one guy, I said, man, it's all about going to heaven and taking as many people with us as we can to bring glory to God. And so I encourage you guys, man, to just get lost in that love for the Lord. Ask him to set you free from all the chains. And Lord, we thank you for today for your word, Lord God, and for just everyone here. I pray for all the Christians, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, even as Christians, Lord, we can get things that overpower us. We can get engaged in activities, Father God, that sometimes, you know, it, it shouldn't be that way. We need to be more focused on you. And so help us as Christians, Lord, to overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by grit, not by determination but by grace and by dependence upon you. Lord God, I pray, change our life.
Give us that focus, Lord. Give us that strength. And Father, I also pray if there's anyone here today who is not a Christian, just in case, Lord God, um, and they're here and they want to be set free, I pray for them right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would move in their hearts and that today would be the day of salvation. And just with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here today and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to be free from the penalty and power of sin, right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you, man. This is the day that God has chosen. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And so right where you're at, man, if you want to accept the Lord, if you want to turn from your sin, right where you're at, just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Anybody here, don't be afraid. This is what it's all about, man. Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father who is in heaven. He loves you. And like that man we talked about earlier, you know, he had a month. But no man knows if they have tomorrow. And you can leave the same way you came. And that's a choice that you have. But you can walk out knowing that you're forgiven and you're free by simply placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone here? Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. So good. Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your word and your grace and just being the Savior, the sovereign Savior, Lord. And I pray for every heart here, Father, um, that there would be a yieldedness to you, Lord. And you know, Father, we have our ways of doing things, but your word says the Lord knows those who are his. Let every heart here and every knee here bow before the King of Kings. And I pray, Lord, that every tongue would confess, even now, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Encourage your saints, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.